Welcome to the Whatever It Means to You podcast. Shane, we got a serious one today, bro. Oh, yeah. Old Parker back in it. Yeah. Always, always. I love having him in here because there's always issues where people bring up these rumors or that rumors or this or that. Or, But he. I love that he always goes and gives us the history lesson. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't think there's that. someone who knows more about the city than him. I don't either. I, I love or, or Metropolis. What are we? Are we a city? But but anyway, really great. A lot of information here. This is a very, very, very local episode. So if you're one of our listeners from, let's actually give some of those listeners a, a shout out as well. Because I've been noticing that we've had uh, a lot of different areas uh, listening. Uh, Germany, Ireland, Switzerland, Australia, mm-hmm. just even in the United States, man. Destin, Niceville, Fort Walton, of course, your, your usuals, but also Tallahassee, Fort Worth, Dallas, Atlanta, Sydney, Weewa, you know, Pensacola, New Orleans, Portland. Portland. All over the place. Portland, Oregon. Oregon? Bro. Yeah. Orlando. Defuniac, we see you default. <laughs> but anyway. We, we, we get a, a lot of our listeners are from the local area, but also a huge shout to everyone who doesn't li- live here, who listens to this podcast. This one might not be for you if you aren't currently living here, but, you know, you can still listen anyway. If you live here, it's a super important one. There's a lot of really great information that we always get when Parker comes in here, and we're very grateful for some of his time. So, without further ado, please welcome back for the third time. Now he's tied for first place. Yeah. Parker Destin. Councilman Destin. <laughs> From Boat Studios in Destin, Florida, it's the Whatever It Means to You podcast. It's something that most people don't like at first. With Jared Gramblin. I love my job, but I hate talking to people like you. And Shane Denton. White people, yay! We got a good one for you today! Alright, so Whatever It Means to You podcast. My guest today is Parker Destin. What's up, dude? Good to be here, man. Back at it. Yes, sir. Back at it. You're just gonna have to create your own segment, like yeah. every uh, like every twenty episodes or something. You just get your own spot. Uh, you know, I can host and I can bring in my own oh. guests. <laughs> yeah, you just take <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we'll work the business end of that out on the back end. You Perfect. Know? Like, we'll have to split. We'll have to split the uh, proceeds with Corey <laughs> at Pope and uh, the podcast. So, but anyway, man, thanks for making your way in here. I know it's crazy for you this time of year, especially with the, the new restaurant oh, over yeah. in Navarre and everything. So there's given us some of your time. I think, I think we have some things that, uh, I guess some bigger city topics, uh, that we need to discuss. So I guess I'll let you start out, man, with that. As far as, I mean, Shane, you were, you were saying something about the, the crosstown connector has been a pretty hot issue lately. Is that uh, on, on, on the threads, man, you know, all about those, uh, Northwest Florida daily news threads, <laughs> things oh, yeah. are getting heated. Oh yeah. Uh, you're sparking some controversy there, Parker. Yeah. So the con- the, the the controversy lies, I believe, in in uh, the crosstown connector and how we should build it, how we should fund it, and uh, it's you got to start from a history standpoint on the crosstown connector. And so where we're at today is can we first explain what it is? Yeah. The yeah the crosstown connector is this idea that you could have an alternate east-west corridor through the interior portion of Destin to alleviate uh, the traffic um, that is on Highway 98 right now. Also, it could serve as an east-west corridor that is parallel to 98 that locals could use to avoid some of the gridlock on 98. 
and the proposed route goes from basically Danny Warfel Way, and you turn at uh, Publix, which is the Commons Drive, mm-hmm. and you will follow the Commons Drive all the way from um, from Danny Warfel to Airport Road, and then Airport Road follows on to Legion, and then from there, where we're where we're at today is. The city has bought a piece of property that was the old Destin campground that will, it, it is in, it goes from um, Beach Drive to Benning. And in theory, if you can build it, you could put a road from the intersection of Legion Drive and uh, Beach to uh, Benning where it meets at Azalea. And Azalea is the... Uh, the corridor that runs behind, do you remember Nighttown? Mm-hmm. Nighttown sits on Azalea, and that uh, would eventually take you, if we're continuing traveling towards the Destin Bridge, if we're continuing west, you will hit um, Stallman Avenue, and then in theory, you could go back up to the Stallman Light Interchange, and then hop back on 98, and then get over the bridge and be on your way. Um, the controversy right now is connecting the portion between uh, Legion Drive and Azalea through through what we talked about, that little piece of land. And some funding has come up to acquire more right-of-way from homes um, that are in that na- in those neighborhoods, the Sandalwood neighborhood, so that you can have uh, a road big enough and have the shoulders big enough. And uh, there's some uh, state money to do that. And then there's also some money that has come down from uh, the Tourism Development Council to help construct that section of road. And so that is the proposal. Um, Historically, uh, going back, I mean, this thing was conceptualized probably around late 90s, 2000, right when, um, right right in the lead up to when we really, really started uh, building a bunch of condos and right before the Emerald Grand. And what the politicians and the city leaders at the time were facing was the fact that Florida Department of Transportation was telling uh, the city of Destin that you can't issue any more development orders for construction of new buildings right now. You're, you've exceeded the trips on the road. You're at capacity. You can't build more in Destin, uh, especially in the South Harbor District, until uh, you come up with a alternate route or a different way to lower your, your trips. And so that was what was proposed is this crosstown east-west connector and it was uh the brainchild of uh basically the chamber of commerce uh some of some some local developers and the risk of course without coming up with that plan was uh to build a connector was that uh development would have to stop you know and the the brakes would be hit around 2001, 2002, and that was so risky. So they, they, they came up with the plan. They started acquiring the properties, and you know the recession occurs, and funding dries up. And so it, it has been kicked around by a bunch of different councils uh, over the last 20 years on uh, building the connector piece the, so that it'll be uh, a contiguous strip that you could con- conceivably go from Stallman all the way to uh, all the way to basically the Destin Commons, and um, and so the uh, it has been struggled with um, mostly because a lot of these neighborhoods that 
would have this connector running through it either are unaware of what has been proposed or they are aware and they're against it because they just don't want that type of traffic running through their neighborhoods. Because, you know, Legion has single-family homes all up and down it. Um, people have to back out onto Legion to get out of their driveways. Mm-hmm. And um, so that that's sort of the lay of the land uh, with that issue. And, and where, where we are today is I'm on the fence uh, with actually connecting the uh, connector section from uh, Legion over to Azalea before we have a solution for uh, how to get all of this traffic that we're going to be running east-west back onto 98 because as it stands today the Stallman interchanges is completely dysfunctional um, for a lot of for a myriad of reasons but as it stands right now if you've ever tried to uh, take a right in the middle of the summer off of Stallman to get onto 98 to get on the bridge to go to Fort Walton, you'll notice that it, it continually backs up and then if it's really bad, it'll go past the uh, the cemetery and people are waiting because mostly um, the light doesn't change as often as it should and moreover, when the light does turn green that you could conceivably leave Stallman and you can take a left if you wanted to go um, east, if you wanted to go straight, you'd go into the Emerald Grand, or if you wanted to go right, which is where most people conceivably <coughs> using this crosswalk. new cross, is the crosswalk, because there's so much pedestrian traffic that you get probably 20 to 30 seconds of a green light um, that is unusable of the minute that you usually get to vent off all that westbound traffic, and because there's so much foot traffic, it still has to sit you're missing out on a big, big chunk of it being able to vent to the right. And so that intersection needs tremendous improvements and are significant improvements. And as it stands right now, the only improvements that are being discussed are on a timeline of approximately uh, about 2040. I mean, another 20 years. Um, So I'm not comfortable with continually building infrastructure before we know how it's actually going to work and function because this I mean I can tell you what will happen um, in on Stallman because all you have to do is look at the other end of the Crosstown connector and look at where it meets Danny Warfel Way at Commons and we know that all it takes is one rainy storm in the afternoon where all the tourists jump off the beach and are on the roads or you have one really good um, car accident or you have the construction like we've got right now and you will gridlock everyone trying to vent off to go up to Midbay Bridge and that whole section just snakes back and you'll all end the way up from Wells Fargo to Whole Foods to or Whole Foods to, yeah, and all the way to Home, Market. to Home Depot yeah. and knowing <clears throat> knowing that we have a Stallman interchange that works even you know less effective than what the interchange that we have on the other end I'm very very hesitant to make the connection and, and build it before um, we have Stallman figured out. So, and then I have some other reservations with regards to the Crosstown Connector's uh, capacity. You know, there is always um, a bit of a propensity for everyone to undersell the end game of what a east-west corridor would look like uh, for a lot of different reasons. Because the public, if you told them that it's going to be four lanes through the whole town, like Airport Road, uh, all the way from Stallman to to Airport Road, they're going to be pretty hesitant because that's a lot of traffic that's going to be on these what are purely single-family residential neighborhoods right now, and and well, it's a lot of land you have to. Uh, that's right. You know, not, I don't want to say take, but 
purchase right well from right you you purchase it if you can't yeah. purchase it then you have to go through eminent domain which is wildly politically unpopular and expensive <clears throat> sure but I, you know i've i've talked your ear off on it trying to lay the trying to lay out the the environment and landscape we're in but um you know at the end of the day it is going it is the long term plan is a four lane road because uh, the state of florida right now is giving us the money to acquire uh, the right of way that is necessary for a four lane and the re and, and so there's been a bunch of back and forth people saying, oh, no, no, it's just going to be a two-lane. It'll just be a two-lane road. Uh, it'll just be for local traffic. And, you, of course, you <laughs> yeah. can't – there's no there's no way to regulate yeah, local That's a Texas play. Get them off here. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't exist. <laughs> and not to mention, of course, the Waze app keeps, um, keeps any alternate route available. So when there's traffic, they're going to send – all those tur- all those tourists are going to use those apps going straight into uh, into the neighborhoods, and we've seen it already. Do you use um, Waze? Uh, my wife does. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm. Do you use Waze, Shane? No, but they're starting to like integrate into other apps. Like I think it's integrated into either Google. Every or time I open Spotify, it asks me to start Waze. No, no I, I'm I'm too stubborn. You know, I'm one of those guys that's like that fights with Google Maps or Waze, mm-hmm. and and I and I scream at my wife saying, "No, it's wrong. It's wrong." <laughs> I use Google Maps religiously. Yeah, is that? But Google Maps is the same thing as Waze, right? Like Google Maps will kind of like show you, show you an alternate route if there's a faster one. Maybe it's Apple that's one of those are integrated. Hmm. Well, at the end of the day, we know those apps are out there, and as soon as you have a traffic accident or there's gridlock on 98, it's going to immediately latch on and send traffic through these neighborhoods, and most of it will sit in the neighborhoods. And I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing, because we're we're dealing with a project that also has. Um, its origins and its design, like nobody's touched the redesign for like, tw- I mean, the, con- the the big overarching concept is still, you know, 20 years ago. And well, can I interject with yeah. that? 20 years ago, you said that they wanted it to stop because there were too many trips and so development had to stop. How did they... Had they get around it? Yeah, because it hasn't been built. it hasn't stopped. Though. Oh, well. Development hasn't ceased. No. And Not what, close. So what they did actually, and this is a, sep- a completely separate issue, and I've spent the last three and a half years of my life at the city council dealing with the legacy of, of, of what they, basically what they did is called the multimodal district. And in order to continue issuing development orders from about 2003-ish up to today, the city, of course, I mean, we're getting into the politics. The development community has had basically a stranglehold on uh, city politics for the last 20 years. And when faced with the confronta- with, with the problem of, wait a second, we either got fi- to create a crosstown connector or we're going to have to create some other way to make sure that the spigot of development doesn't get shut off because we're pro-growth, we're pro-growth, we're the Chamber of Commerce, we're, we're developers, we're we're real estate brokers were the guys or, or friends and family of all of them what they came up with was the multimodal district and what it is is that the entire south harbor district is has an overlay sub district that was created the first of course in the state of florida uh by our former city manager who um helped create a uh district that basically says this district shall be in place for the properties within the district. Um, most imagine just North and South Harbor district, basically from Beauchamp's over to the bridge, mm-hmm. and in, and in those areas, uh, we are not going to have uh, parking um, minimums. Actually, we're going to have parking maximums, and the idea is 
everybody will will take a bad parking situation a bad traffic situation will make it worse so that I mean, we're going to build these beautiful parking garages uh the city will and what will occur is everybody will park and then they'll just walk in this multimodal district and not to mention we're going to give you credits for putting in um, larger sidewalks and we're going to give you development credits on uh, how many units per acre you can cram for putting in um, uh, bike uh, what do you call the things you lock your bike on bike lane yeah yeah uh, and you'll get credits for those you'll put trash cans on yeah and all of this stuff and they said, oh, well, and eventually we think we're going to put a tram in. And you create this nice, neat little package. You enshrine it in the code, and then you go to the Department of Transportation and say, look, we have a multimodal district. Actually, uh, we're not going to be at capacity anymore. We're, we're estimating that probably about half the people who will visit the, um, the Harbor District will actually come not by car, but they'll come under some other modality. Mm. Multimodal. They'll walk. <laughs> They'll ride bikes. Mm, yeah. They'll ride share. They're going to do all these things. And on paper, that's all sense. it is. Sure. Sure. I mean, it's it's an artifice is what it is. And then you go to the DOT, and which is what they did, circa 2005, 2006, said, look, we've created this multimodal district. We're going to create these parking garages. It's going to be grand. Let us continue. I like your word choice. Yeah. yeah. Let us continue. <laughs> yeah. You like that? I snuck that in there. It's going to be wonderful. And we're going to... Um, have all these people visit, and and you need to let us continue issuing development orders. And what and that's how we really got into such a bad position. And that's how they got around the fact that they hadn't built the crosstown. They just created this district that, of course, has failed miserably, and it arguably was never going, had never been intended to work. The point was, you just create this thing on paper, get the DOT off your back, and you keep issuing development orders. Get money. Yeah, because I mean, that's if you if you control the levers of government, if in a seven-member board, all you need is four votes. And if, if one of them's a realtor, another one's... I mean, you get it. And they will all... Uh, everything. They're not necessarily horrible people, but everything is filtered through the prism of growth. And when you have a paradigm that is always filtered through endless growth, which, I mean, we're getting kind of philosophical here on the on, on major economics and, and capitalism, but all of it, all of our, our entire economy is based on this premise that everything keeps growing, everything keeps growing. Um, that's an 18th century concept that exists in the 21st century world with scarce resources. Our scarce resource here in Destin is, you know, room. We don't have the land. So we're feeling the effects of you can't have endless growth forever. It has to be smart growth. It has to be responsible growth. It has to honestly be restrained. And unless you have um, folks that can recognize the problem from the get-go, then you'll just keep hammering away on, on growth. And that's what occurred from approximately 2005 to, honestly, till I got there, probably in 2016. Yeah, there's this misconception that, that in everything, just like you were saying, that, that growth is always positive. Well, you know, it, like it, it is till it strangles yeah. it, until it comes back and chokes what you already have, mm-hmm. which is what we're experiencing. I mean, we got water on three sides, so the growth spreads, hits the water, and just spilled back in on itself. And and everybody knows that 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 that's what we're experiencing, and that is what is what is happening. But you know, the it's so unpalatable to talk about the idea for a lot of people who are in the business community and the development community in particular. You know, 
it is so unpalatable to, to even discuss the idea of measured restrained growth. To say, hey, we're developed, bro. <laughs> we are. And, and honestly, we could redevelop and we could do it in smart ways that, that will help alleviate all these problems. It's just that until you have some really forward-thinking progressive folks in the city um, to go and change the codes, which I've been trying to do, um, then the codes will be the old codes. Honestly, we've had 20 years worth of codes that were written by the development community for the development community with the best stuff buried, buried using all sorts of legal tricks. And I've spent the last three and a half years digging out where all the all the gems were hidden. But we've got lots of stuff and, I, and we've made a lot of progress. But um, the Crosstown Connector is a, an old legacy project from from basically the late 90s as an attempt to try to uh, alleviate some of the traffic that was already being experienced on 98 the goal being they were facing um, the risk of having to not be able to issue development orders so what ultimately they did was they went around it using the multimodal system and now the plan with the um, with the crosstown connector is uh, you know it's it's not there it's not perfect I got a lot of people who don't want this stuff running through their neighborhoods I can't tell that until we have a way to get these people back on to 98 that we should be building anything more on it so that's filtered the con that 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 is sort of um, my thought process on it and then there's also um, if you want to get something built in politics get it funded even if it's a bad project and people don't want it but if you get it funded then anybody who might say no you just scream in their face well we're going to lose the money we're going to lose the money the money will be gone the money's going to be gone mm. the money's the money's always around for good projects and my my opinion was rather than just building this connector project um we need to actually spend the money on the stallman interchange because even you can sit with f dot you can sit with some of the guys the, the traffic uh, the traffic concurrency guys and they'll say listen we can make this connection back and forth between um Binning and uh, in Beach Drive, and we don't think it'll alleviate anything on on Highway 98. And it might get you east-west slightly faster and in a for, in a in a little bit more of a front direction. But they're kind. I mean, they're throwing their hands up in the air. The, the traffic engineers are throwing their hands up in the air, being on the wisdom of of doing it. And my opinion is, why don't we sp sink all of our our efforts and our resources into fixing the Stallman interchange, which is dealing with 98 directly not building infrastructure in the neighborhoods and can go into a real effect of alleviating the traffic on the main highway if you can fix stallman well then that's one of the biggest sources of a lot of west destin's uh traffic so the the debate is hotly contested um the uh, unsurprisingly uh, both sides tend to split basically uh development community and chamber of commerce on the side of pro crosstown connector and, and mostly residents and me <laughs> on the other side now i don't say just me clearly uh there are three at least three other um council members that agree with with my sentiments and and so i'm redoubling our efforts trying to fix stallman in uh in the meantime yeah well i mean what would you even do there you just would you build an overpass so like going right and so people can walk under it still freely so there's a couple right. things you can do one of the first things you can do to really really improve um stallman close the destin bridge well <laughs> yeah or limit how many timeshares how many timeshare groups have to come in to sell one timeshare i think you got to bring in around 65 to sell one timeshare 
It's just volume. Google it. Yeah, Google it. <laughs> yeah, have you seen those signs? Yeah, All over yeah. the place. Yeah, for our listeners that aren't really familiar, there's a bunch of signs popping up around town that are anti-timeshare because that's, you know, that's what they're doing at the Emerald Grand right now because they couldn't sell them as condos, so they're timesharing them out. And the problem with selling timeshares is you got to bring 65 people in or so to hear the pitch, hoping one of them buys. It's just, yeah, it's like 65 steak dinners and pontoon boat rentals you need to give out. Yeah, yeah. To get them here, or whatever, a one or two nights stay at the Grand. Some free, some free nights. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you. Were, I think it was you that would tell me about Harbor Bucks. Oh. Is that a thing? Yeah. <laughs> so, you get these people in to hear the. You bring them in, give them free nights. You give them, you give them some Harbor Bucks, which is basically, I think, um, a voucher that you can use at the Emerald Grand and some of the restaurants that are down there. And um, so, most of the folks that are coming in don't understand that Harbor Bucks are literally Harbor Walk Bucks, which means if you wander down past the Harbor Walk and go try We've had customers come oh, into Dewey's. To, to oh, Dewey. yeah, yeah. Yes. We've, <laughs> yeah, we've had people come into Dewey's, and you have to politely tell them, you're like, yeah, we don't take those. We take real money. And then they're and then they're just, and then they go, oh. And they'll, they'll just kind of fumble around, seem confused, and then they just leave. They I haven't seen any of them stick around. Yeah, you have to feel bad for them, though, a little bit. Yeah, right? well. Just because the poor bastards think that they can go wherever with this harbor buck. <laughs> yeah. Well, we digress. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of pedestrians that are going across at uh, Stallman. And they're trying to go from the north side of the road, typically to the south side. And then once the, the events are done, the fireworks, everything else, and they're going from the south side of the road to the north side of the road. One of the big things we can do, uh, and we're working on at the city to alleviate uh, the pedestrian traffic, is trying to reroute it. So number one is we are working um, with FDOT to actually uh, create a pedestrian bridge um, walkway that connects the base of the boardwalk under the Destin Bridge and pops up over uh, where the, the old tattoo parlor is. Okay, yeah. That way, no one has to actually get on to 98 to gain access to the boardwalk. If you're on the north side of the road, as long as we have the proper signage, the hope being you can direct people down to um, this little bridge walk, boardwalk under underpass, basically, mm. and you can alleviate um, the uh, the traffic that or the pedestrian traffic that way. Secondarily, uh, a short thing that shouldn't cost a whole lot of money is we're working with FDOT to find out if we have the authorization to do this, but. There are two uh, north-south crosswalks at that interchange. There's one at the Whataburger, and then there's the one at the Chevron station. If you just simply get rid of the one at the Chevron station, you will force everybody to use the one at the Whataburger. The issue is not at the Whataburger. It's actually with everybody using the back roads, hopping out at Stallman, trying to take a right. Yeah. If you eliminate all that traffic, well, then you probably got 20 to 25% of your efficiency back on those uh green light cycles and that would go a long way to alleviating some of the traffic congestion at yeah, least vehicles on that back side. So you to take the right and Correct. then you're, you're, you aren't just going to have your passengers coming across. Exactly. And none of those, and, and, that, and that's that thing easy, shouldn't cost yeah. money. Um, from there, uh, the... Yeah, you just shut one down. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Right. I don't know if state law will let us do that, but we're, we're in the preliminary um, discussions with FDOT to try to see if that's a solution that's available to us. After that, we're going to have to start talking about the real big bucks kind of stuff because um, Stallman needs um, new lights. It needs more lanes. It needs uh, it needs more room for uh, the left and right turn lanes, at least on Stallman, to queue up on Stallman, which means you have to start taking land from very valuable pieces of property. Every four corners of that interchange has a very valuable business on there. So um, we're talking... Uh, at 
at least with the right turn on uh, off of Stallman onto 98, you're talking about the Chevron station. If you take half of that guy's property, well, then you're probably going to have to take all of it. Um, and he may not be a willing seller. So that's a very expensive proposition to try to fix that one. But if that's a solution that's available and you can find the funding, well, then you got to go down that route. Um, some of the some of the merge lanes that have been discussed would encroach upon uh, Billy Martin's uh, McGuire's. And if you start taking parking away from those guys to put in the merge lanes, then then again, you're talking big bucks. On the flip side, uh, you've got Whataburger. On the other side, you've got Emerald Grand. And, you know, we didn't make reservations. Uh, I say we, our forefathers, didn't make reservations on Highway 98 fathoming how much we would develop that one little section of Destin. And so if you've noticed, um, if we get out, so we're at the boat offices here in Miramar Beach. Uh, if we get out onto Highway 98, you'll see that there's massive amounts of reserved uh, right-of-way. Mm -hmm. And usually you can detect how wide a right-of-way is on any given road by kind of looking both ways and seeing on which side of the road how far apart uh, the utility poles are because utility poles have to be in the right-of-way, and they usually demarcate the edges of those. So here we've got lots and lots of space, and it narrows out as you get over to the track if, we're, if, we're, if we left the office and went west. And then once you get into uh, the older part of Destin, you'll notice uh, if you were standing in the Harbor Docks parking lot and looking across the street, you'll notice from basically Harbor Docks all the way to the base of the bridge, all of the light poles are like six inches away from the blacktop. That's why we have so many vehicle strikes over there, because mm -hmm. because the, they're so close to the road. But that also means that we have almost no right of way. That everything else, if you notice, everybody's buildings, everybody's parking lots, everything is shoved, crammed up right next to the road. So it doesn't leave you a whole lot of expansion room for uh, for increases in capacity of the roads. So we have that same issue at Stallman. Everybody's there's no road reservation, so we would have to take everything either through willfully buying it portions of it from sellers but given given the folks that own the property there i don't think they'd willingly do that uh so you have to do it through eminent domain which is a wildly expensive process but we have a um we actually have a workshop next week uh where we're going to sit down and talk about all the different options for stallman and that should be illuminating for both myself the public and coming up with a game plan that goes beyond what i talked about before which is routing the pedestrians underneath the bridge and eliminating the crosswalk because there's more that has to be done but those two things could go a long way when's yeah. the workshop <clears throat> i believe it is the 19th don't quote me wow. all of that's available on the uh on the city's website but it'll be a good one is that is it, is it open it's open yeah yeah the workshops are always open <clears throat> and we try to put them in the evening so that the general public can attend what grinds my gears about most of these governmental entities through from everybody from the school board to this the county they hold all of their public meetings and workshops at 9 a.m on weekdays it's almost like they deliberately don't want the public to show up because people have jobs <laughs> yeah. Yeah. or they or they just want to like you know yeah work it in yeah. when when they're at work you yeah know? which is crazy i mean the city of destin has long meetings but we have really we we have good participation because people can attend if we did them at 9 a.m on a on a monday We'd have nobody there. Yeah, sure. Other, other than, you know, the special interest groups that financially have all the incentives to attend our meetings because the decisions we make will help them out. But the general public, you wouldn't have. I mean, that's why if you go to a school board meeting or a county meeting, you're not going to see a whole lot of members of the general public. It just irks me. 
so so going back to the what you were speaking about a little bit more that I found interesting about the Harbor District is is there a new thing now to like or, or, or a new set of ordinances to where you where we've kind of ceased development and how did that happen? So we're talking about the multimodal multimodal district. Sure. I think again. Mm-hmm. So as it stands right now, the district still exists. Um, I have spent three and a half years uh, going and tackling a lot of bears politically and the multimodal one is going to be probably my next one i've got it about another year um as it stands right now we talked about the parking garages they said oh we're going to put parking maximums that way we'll make the parking situation even worse so that it'll force people to use these parking garages they were parking garages we never built because of course 2008 hit everybody's revenues went in the dumpster and then of course if you have all of your funding from the city based upon uh property values then all of your ad valorem taxes that go into your general revenue they were cut significantly so we never built the parking garages but we still have developed uh, a lot of stuff in the south harbor district since 2008 you know tail fins next door to dewey's is um they built their entire building and and if they wanted to add more parking on site the code wouldn't allow them to do that because the code still says parking maximums so we're in the process of trying to scrub that stuff all the stuff that doesn't make sense out um, because I don't think necessarily the city is uh, probably going to end up building parking garages anytime soon so let's quit developing like we're going to or have codes that encourage development like we're going to Um, I think Chatham said it in meetings I think Chatham's probably said it here uh, the idea that the public needs to be building parking garages for South Harbor private landowners is kind of a s- absurd. Mm-hmm. He calls it uh, the, the greatest paradox of, of, of conservatism and that, that permeates this area because, of course, that's socialized parking. <laughs> Why on earth would we be using public money to help private businesses? Um, and a handful of them at that. How, does that. how does any of that help the general welfare and public that, of the people who live here? yet we're using their money for that. So those things aren't likely to be built anytime soon. So we're trying to scrub out a bunch of the stuff from the multimodal that doesn't make sense. There's also some stuff in the multimodal that says you don't have to, um, oh, the open air dining credits um, or the waiver. Uh, Basically, if you build an open air deck, you don't have to add parking to your existing structure. So... That's kind of crazy, right? Uh, like if you added an outside area, so right. you, now you added, let's say, fifty tables. Fifty tables. You don't need new parking. New parking, which is absurd. You, you're going to have new customers. Yeah. But <laughs> that I'm telling you, the 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 handful of folks that had the plan to develop the harbor knew what they wanted to, from mm-hmm. the get go because they they said, "Listen, we've got all these parcels, we've got uh, these plans. We know we want to maximize this many units per acre. We've got these businesses that we want to put in, and frankly." We don't have a whole lot of room left from a parking standpoint for, you know, I think, I think Chatham said it in a meeting. I think, uh, I think Margaritaville was only required to put in like six parking spots. Six. Yeah. It's, it's insane. And that's how bad the code was written. But of course, uh, the code updates, you know. I know the history in the town. A lot of the code updates, there, there are lots of fair-minded people who served on these councils during these periods of time. And when you have staff members, city managers, and attorneys who basically are in cahoots with the development community, uh, they'll bury all sorts of really terrible stuff that benefits them and not the public in the most voluminous 
cumbersome legalese than, that nobody other than an attorney that's probably trained in land use law can detect and find. And that's what we've had over the, I mean, all of it was adopted on the up and up, but you just bury really noxious things in minutiae and people miss it, especially lay people. Cause, and I don't blame them because they're not attorneys. I have struggled over the last three and a half years digging through all of our codes, finding all the different things, and then slowly methodically changing them. And, uh, you know, I have been slowly methodically changing lots of stuff. It's why we ended up, and, and I've had uh, council members who've agreed with my sentiment and my efforts, and they came up for re-election in 2018, and the development community funded a, a super PAC against them for $250,000 <laughs> to get rid of them. I mean, we're making real progress, and they're not happy about it. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, that's a digression. I, I do know that uh, the Crosstown is going to continue to be discussed. Uh, funding may dry up uh, or be, you know, clawed back, but it's not going anywhere permanently. I mean, the TDC. I'm on the T. I'm on the TDC as Destin's representative. If we come with good projects, you can always bet <clears> that there will be money available to fund some of our our more meaningful. And I just don't think that at this time, connecting the road is the smartest thing to do. So then, what are you going to do with that land that's already been acquired? My suggestion is we hold it in inventory until we know exactly what we want to do with it. We've held it in inventory since 2005. Yeah, we've done while, and we've yeah. done nothing with it. So, uh, my suggestion is uh, we continue to sit on it for the moment and. Uh, don't do anything rash. I mean, if we want to convert it into a dog park temporarily so people can at least enjoy it, because it's sitting vacant right now. Mm-hmm. It's sat vacant for 12, no, four, yeah, 14 years. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, we can do little improvements. I mean, just to sit on it until then, once we figure out, if we can figure it and fix out Stallman, then we can have a discussion about the wisdom of connecting these roads. I certainly don't think that we should do a four-lane, but a two-lane might be appropriate. It's just inappropriate at this moment. Well, I- one other question. What, what do you say to those homeowners that are sitting right there kind of in limbo? Well, they're like, you know, do I sell? Do I not? I mean, what, what, what's going on? Am I going to get an offer? Sure. Uh, I know a buddy of mine, he, he's had three of his neighbors have already, you know, he's they've gotten offers and, sure. and I think they've sold. And now he's just kind of like, well, what the fuck do I do? I mean. Yeah. Well, and that's the struggle with politics because we've been on, we, this project's been green-lighted and then stop-lighted four or five times over the last 20 years. And I, and I sympathize with these guys. I really, really do. Um, my suggestion is, uh, and for the time being, keep living your life. Uh, if, if you want to sell and, and, and here's the thing, I may not be on this council much longer. And if the council switches, clearly they'll reignite this crosstown, you know, goal. And, um, at which point, you know, if he gets a good offer, then that guy should sell. But, I can't tell them with certainty what, what, what the political wins will be in the future. And, and that's the crummy part about it. Yeah. 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 What else you got? What, what else have I uh, thrown Molotov cocktails on at the city? <laughs> uh, what you got? I've, I've got something, but I don't think we're allowed to talk about it um, regarding the Harbor District. But okay. I think that's still kind of on the hush-hush or whatever. I don't, I don't know that you'll be allowed to talk about it. I don't know. Um, but you can tell me, and we don't have to talk about it if not. Okay. But I want to talk about the uh, fishing fleet. Ooh, uh, fishing fleet. That one is, let's see, do we still have litigation with the city? Because, I mean, that kind of goes into what, what we were talking about with the Harbor District anyway. Sure. That piece of land, correct? Yeah. yeah. I think probably, so the city is being sued by the fishing fleet currently. Uh, Can we explain what the fishing fleet actually is? So the fishing, a lot of people are are misconstrued. Yeah, they think when they hear the term fishing fleet that they, it means right. The, so the, the, so the fishing fleet Inc. Yeah. is the company that owns um, the land that 
the co-op and uh, Brotula's building sits on. And the Fishing Fleet, Inc. Uh, is a for-profit corporation that is got a bunch of shareholders. Uh, there, are, there are a bunch of them that are fishermen. Uh, there are some that are not. There are some that are developers, some guys, there's an architect, uh, Bob Benezzi owns some. If you remember Bob Benezzi, he owns... I know, uh, Bob. I do some work with him. Yeah, Crab Trap. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, uh, Dale Peterson. Anyways, uh, it's a it's a mixed bag of folks, and, and, and a lot of them are fishermen, but they are of an age, I think, that some of them are no longer fishing. And uh, because it was... I think the fishing fleet was created somewhere around 1992, in order to purchase uh, that parcel of land from the Spence family that was out of Niceville to, with the goal of uh, basically having a home for the charter fleet. And then the fishing co-op was a tenant of theirs and has been operating the docks and, and, uh, and, and s- leasing slips to uh, the fishermen that are there today. And uh, somewhere along the line, uh, at least a good chunk of the investors of the land have decided that they wanted to develop an Emerald Grand style building at that property. And uh, so uh, when we made a rule change in 2017, uh, lowering the building heights to from to seven stories, mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't even take it all away. Yeah. We actually left about it. half, right? Because it yeah, was about half. 13 to 14. Right. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, they were very upset because they believe that they had a uh, development right. And so what they're doing is suing the city to say that we have diminished the value of their property and their right to develop by those rule changes. Mm-hmm. And so that's where it stands right now. But I don't think it's probably appropriate for me to get into sure. the, the merits of what they're saying or what we're saying. But it's working its way through, and uh, hopefully we'll have some resolution in, into it for the next, uh, for the next election cycle because it'll taint the arguments and people get really personal and acrimonious. So yeah, I well, hope, you, I hope it gets you, resolved. Do you foresee that being an issue? If it's, it's going to be a big issue for the election. If sure. it's not resolved. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and that's the thing. I mean, there's fishermen down there that are not investors of the fishing fleet. And so, you know, that's there. There's the group of original investors in the land are the ones that have the desire to build this big building and um, they're the ones that are currently suing the city. So, yeah, yeah. Could, I mean, could you imagine an, another one of those, Shane? What? Uh, another Emerald Grand? No. Like uh, just like a quarter mile down the road no, from the other one? Absolutely not. Yeah, and and <clears throat> I and I know most of these people. I mean, I live down the road. 50, 50 yards from some of the folks that that's got to really be weird for you being out sometime when they're like oh, yeah. that motherfucker cost me two million dollars <laughs> like, like that's like some death shit oh, yeah. <laughs> no yeah no I mean it's it's you know it's it's acrim- it's a small town yeah. and 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 doing what I think is the right thing with with very expensive property and, and oh yeah because at the end of the day I mean it. yeah because I wish we had put it in a rule originally somewhere in the 90s it said you know the maximum amount of building height you can go in distance five we would have never gotten into these problems but in the 1990s nobody ever could yeah, have wouldn't that be nice could you imagine that? oh yeah nobody but nobody ever at the time foresaw what we would be in from a situation standpoint today hmm. and so they didn't do it and 
uh, we wouldn't be having these big, gigantic fights, and I wouldn't be in the position of trying to bring reasonableness and responsibility back to everything else that gets built from today forward. I wouldn't have been forced to have to drop the building heights from 14 down to 7 because they never would have been ramped up irresponsibly to 14 stories. So, I mean, it's just, I don't like having to be in that position. I don't like having to pick fights with folks. But at the end of the day, I do know that it's probably the right thing to do for the general public. And, yeah, it's going to result in some people thinking that they need to sue us and to recover what they think they've lost. And they have their arguments. The city will have theirs, and the the court will decide. So that's what that one says. Enough's enough. We could like fuck. So you're like talking the, about uh, yeah. You're talking about a, you're, talk, you're talking about a moratorium throughout the whole city. Yeah. Like say okay, we could. you have five, there's five legal, stories, guys. That's it. Like that's what. Yeah, we could. We could. Like you so can't you can't have any more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could you could you could do those sorts of things. It probably would require a referendum, um, and and frankly, you could go flat out moratorium. Those are legally defensible. When you say we're at capacity, we're not going to issue any more development orders. And the question is politically, uh, do you want the blowback and I think probably people overestimate the blowback. You will get lots of blowback from the development community. You'll get a lot of blowback from the business community because they're growth, 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 growth. But really, in my position, you're answerable not to people's business interests. You're, you're responsible to your voters, your actual human beings that went and cast the ballot on your behalf and put you in this position of a public trust to do the right thing on their behalf. And that's the struggle with, struggle with a lot of politicians. They'll, mm-hmm. they'll go in there saying that they're going to go and represent the individuals, the people who live here. But the loudest voice in the room, typically, because we have such voter sort of disengagement and apathy, the loudest voice oftentimes ends up being special interests because they're organized, because they're organized because of a financial interest. There's money there, yeah. And there's money to be gained by the decisions that you're going to make. And then if you don't stay hard to your principles of representing the constituents and what is in their best interest in a long-term standpoint, you might find yourself filtering your decisions through what makes the best sense for, you know, business interests or commerce. And you'll, you'll, you might even find yourself trying to, you know, you know, circle the square, uh, by saying, oh, well, you know, but isn't commerce, increased commerce good for everybody? And, and yeah, kind of, (laughs) but you know, you gotta you gotta weigh the pros and the cons, and you go look. I mean, then we go back to this thing we talked about before, the endless growth issue, and you're just like, look, yeah, we don't get to sub- you know, growth is great, but it has to be measured, it has to be reliable, you know, responsible, especially in areas where you don't have infinite space to sprawl out to. Exactly. I mean, Atlanta gets to. I was just about to say, Atlanta can go forever. It can, it, yeah. and they get until they, they run into Athens. That's right, you know? and they get that luxury, and I think they're working hard yeah. on it. <laughs> But even, but even Atlanta, I mean, we're getting, this is a total digression. Even Atlanta has its limits of where it should expand to because at the end of the day, uh, you know, we only have a trickle of water coming down the Chattahoochee and Flint Rivers to nourish the uh, estuary in, in Apalachicola. Sure. And, and, the fi- and the oyster mm-hmm. fishery has completely collapsed because of it because there's just too many people sucking up too much water, too many golf courses. And then after they're done with it, uh, then the peanut farmers suck it up and it's just. Yeah, by the time it gets to the oysters, it's just not there. Yeah. And yeah. you don't get the right mix of freshwater and saltwater in the estuary. And what ends up occurring is you have saltwater intrusion onto the salt uh, into the oyster beds, and then you have what this it's it's a worm that bores into it's a saltwater worm that bores into the bodies uh, through the shell and into the body of the oyster and kill and kills it. 
uh, if you have enough volume of fresh water coming out of the river, then it pushes back the salt water and it pushes back the parasite. And um, that's where we're at with Atlanta's expansion. We don't even get to do any of that stuff here. We, Like I said, we hit three sides and all of the development spills in and we've only got one east-west corridor to get in and out of town. And it's a reality that I accept I have to be responsible and try to address with the decisions that I make up there on council. And there is still a really, really strong vocal and well-financed minority in the city that just doesn't want it uh, doesn't want it to be true and and so much so because they Dollars. just yeah because just i know i know the roads are bad and we're good and i and we're gonna fix it but you know and it'll all get sorted out but you need to give me my my, my development order and it's gonna be all right it'll be okay yeah let me get this money while i'm still here dude <laughs> sure yeah but the problem is that there's that guy and then there's the 15 other guys behind him that want you know they're I just I mean we just spent at the city of Destin uh, the last six months uh, cleaning up our um, our code in the town center mixed use area because we've had a flurry we when you go and audit your we've been doing I've been doing code audits basically going section by section zone by zone to find out okay what are the densities here how many units per acre can you cram if you were to develop uh, what's the parking requirements? What are the building heights? What would it look like if, if the person maximized at this parcel under the code that's written? And, and, and would we be happy uh, if, if they did that? We spent the last uh, six months working on the town center mixed use area because we've now had this gross, this massive proliferation of the standard three-story apartment complexes, you know, like the sea glass and the mm-hmm. ones that are behind Walmart. Yep. That is the standard model of of um apartment building developments that it's throughout the country i mean you go to jacksonville you go to atlanta they're everywhere and it's just cookie cutter but they make a ton of money because millennials don't buy homes at least for the time being and if you can cram people in there at two thousand bucks a month and you've got 400 units you can do the math real fast to realize you've just created a gigantic annuity for yourself that you can just live off forever um so these development companies and there's they're massive some we had we had to approve uh, two of them recently because our code required us to. At which point, then our tenants went up, and we're like, "Oh crap, we got to mop this thing up." Because there are still massive parcels in town in the center that want um, to develop a bunch more of those. Specifically, the um, are you familiar with the old time pottery? Mm-hmm. Uh, they they have gotten some real serious offers to sell that entire. Uh, the movie theater, the old time pottery, all the parking behind it and convert it all into apartments. And you go, Jesus, Jesus. Yeah. Cause they're talking That's a huge chunk of uh, property. Right. And the proposals four or 500 units, you conservatively can say that each one of those would pull two cars. We're talking about another thousand cars on no improvements to road infrastructure. How does, how does that help the citizens? So it doesn't, in my opinion, because I sat, I do, when I'm sitting there thinking about it, I go, so at the end of the day, uh, Destin will be left holding the bag of another thousand residents uh, that are on honestly transitory. They're not going to come to meetings. They're not going to volunteer for. They're young. They're typically young, and they're transitory because you don't you don't put roots down in an apartment complex. You put root, roots down typically in a home if you can get your hands on it. So meaning, what I'm saying is, we're not going to get a whole lot of full time long term residents out of the deal. We're going to get more traffic. And I've just created a big giant windfall for some, you know, developers that don't even live in Destin. We just get to live with the burden of it. 
you know, they'll tell you, oh, well, we're going to reinvigorate the downtown. And, and truly, I mean, that that area is somewhat blighted and, and we do need redevelopment. But what they're suggesting is is a giant win for them. And we have to believe that somehow, you know, somehow if they put some mixed use, if, if they bring in a Publix that we're supposed to be thrilled with it. And so um, we, we've been dealing with all that. We've been changing our codes in that regard, trying to minimize, because we don't need more apartment complexes. If we're going to build anything, it needs to be single-family residential homes. Mm -hmm. Those types of people will put roots down and in 20 years may end up serving on council, be, and they'll have the right frame of mind because they care about the community, they're invested. We're not going to get any of that with, apart, with, with those types of apartments. So, um, and, and the idea that it's going to be workhorse, workforce housing is a complete farcical argument because they're too expensive there's nobody yeah, that's outrageous. going they're outrageously expensive they're, nobody who's working in all the service industry jobs could afford to live there no way so, no. yeah yeah there'd need to be three or four of them right there'd be, so there'd be three or four cars there right right and and so that's that's the struggle we still have lots of vacant land in the middle of the city that if if you don't change your codes and catch up that uh they were written to really promote those style of complexes to be built and um so we've been trying to deal with that but two of well, them what happens when you get a lazy council all sorts of horrible things can happen i mean because it seems like you're like who who says okay we need we need to look at all this stuff like we need to get to work here uh, like is that just you they said i'm gonna look through all these yeah it's me i mean i'm an attorney and i and i know that i mean dewey served on the council often in the minority over those last 20 years i talked about with the development community and he they called him council member no because he was the all, he was typically the the no vote, and he, it was six to one a lot of times, or it was five to two, and you know you'd have two good guys that were on council, but it didn't matter because you had a bunch of guys that were up there just you know believing whatever the development community was telling them, believing whatever the chamber of commerce was telling them, or, or believing whatever the city manager who had been brought there by the development community and hired during a dur during a series where during a time period that they had uh, the majority on the council, you know it is exceedingly difficult to detect unless you're an attorney whether or not you're receiving good legal advice whether you're receiving good and accurate uh, land development advice uh, it is if you're a lay person you have no frame of reference to spot check what they're telling you and if you have advisors that are not telling you the whole story or they're deliberately telling you uh, just a part of it that you want to hear or giving you the rose-colored version of it, then there's a lot of lay members of this count of the council that can just be snowed, and the worst sort of things can get passed. And that's a lot of what has happened over the last uh, 20 years in this on the council. And you know, I've been discovering stuff and, and auditing all sorts of things because I know how to do it and I know what to look for, and I and I'm happy to do it on the public's behalf so that we can try to get back to something that's a little bit more reasonable. But if I run if I run for re-election, don't be surprised if I get a super PAC against me, <laughs> just like the other guys. Well, well, you're extending your term, right? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I'll, I'll have a, I'll have a little bit more time if we end up uh, changing the election. So that's a good segue, though. The um, the city council has uh, delved into the issue of uh, voter turnout because. Right now, since 1992, the city of Destin's been holding their elections uh, in March. And the problem is, of course, when you're not in the general election, you have low voter engagement and you have low voter turnout. And 
Destin has some really abysmal voter turnout numbers. What and kind of numbers are you talking about? We're talking about below 20%. Oh, I didn't realize it was that bad. Yeah. So the problem is people, the general public, do not know that March is when, in Oklahoma County at least, you're supposed to go vote for municipal elections. So my concern is, one, we don't have a, we're not getting a proper gauge of the will of the public. And two, the ability of special interests to influence and, and persuade elections, uh, or, uh, I'm sorry, to influence uh, elections is easier with lower voter turnout. And you have higher voter turnout, it is much more difficult to effectuate an outcome that is in your special interests. So my suggestion is let the will of, of the people be what it is, and, I may, it might, and it might not be mine, and, and that's okay, though, but that's how democracy works. So we need to get the highest voter turnout we can, and my suggestion has been move it from March to November, have it align with the presidential election, and in non-presidential years it will align with the uh, midterms, mm-hmm. at which point the numbers jump from – below 20 to uh, high 60s, mid 70s. Oh, wow. I mean, you're talking about an oper- simply changing the election could triple voter turnout. Yeah, and where, well, where you might get uh, 40% maybe on the local type stuff, you mm-hmm. know, right? Because you still wouldn't stand at 60 to 70% on right. that. Because there, you're right. There is going to be a portion of people who come in and will only vote on Fill the in f- one or two boxes and they get out of there. That's right. Yeah. They don't fill out the whole thing. They go, I don't know what this is all about. So I, I voted for president and I'm out. Yeah. Um, you will have that. And so it won't be purely 70%, but it's going to be a hell of a lot You'll better than You'll probably double it probably. Yeah. 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 That'd be, that, that's what I would say. Right. And, and, and you go, well, if we double it, then we're up to 40, 50%. And then that's completely worth it. It's still worth it. Yeah, wouldn't you think that the higher the percentage of voter turnout is always a positive thing, regardless of if it goes the way you want to or not? Absolutely. I mean, that's yeah. the, that's the pure spirit of democracy, which is understanding the public will. And if, if, if you can get a clear perception of what that will is, even if you don't agree with it, well, then that's democracy working. Then you need to work in, and, it, and you need to work on your ideas and your, um, and your ability to persuade so that you can get what you think you, the public, so the public agrees with you on the next go around. Mm-hmm. Is that happening? What do you mean? The 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 um the turnout or I'm sorry the switching it from March to November. So where it stands right yeah. now is um, we are in the process of passing an ordinance to uh, switch us from March to uh, November. There are uh, some legal hangups. Uh, the supervisor of election Paul Lux has taken the position that we don't have the legal authority to change our own election which I'm not substituting my legal education. I'm not representing the city. But from what I could tell, I don't think that is a strong argument. I'm relying on what our two attorneys that actually represent the city and did the research are telling us, which is basically without equivocation, you have the authority under, under statutes to change your, under broad home rule power, the municipality has the right to change their election date how they see fit. Why wouldn't they? Um, I think Paul is, is, is a good uh, supervisor of elections. I believe uh, he's a bit misguided in, misguided in he and his lawyer's interpretation of Destin's ability to shift the elections. But my hope is that... I, lo- I love that terminology. He's a bit misguided. In the, you're like, no, he's just kind of wrong. <laughs> he's getting bad information. 
I want Paul to continue. I'm not going to dog Paul. I want I Paul know. to. I, I want Paul to actually administer our elections in November because he's good at it. I don't want the city of Destin to have to administer its own elections because we'll have to bring in a consultant oh, yeah, company yeah. that'll do it on our behalf, and we would be successful. But it will be more labor intensive, more things for staff to deal it'll with, be a pain in the ass. and it'll be a terrible pain in the butt. And Paul's good at administering elections. So what I think what the compromise currently has been is what we'll do is seek an advisory opinion from the attorney general of the state of Florida, and uh, I think her name's Ashley Moody, and her office will tell us uh, her opinion, because it's not binding. It's not like a court saying you can or cannot, but it's what they, what the attorney general believes the law to say, and it, it brings a lot of weight and authority um, to the discussion, and we're going to ask her what her opinion is on Destin's ability or authority to change the election, and we'll probably get that over the next probably four months, at which point I would anticipate that the attorney general would probably say we do have that authority, and at which point then I'd like to re, re-engage Paul and say, okay, Paul, we think we, can, we think we can move it. We think we should move it. We've heard why you think it's probably not a good idea. And, you, and so how do we alleviate some of the issues that I think Paul is really concerned about, which is there's administrative costs to swapping from March to November. There's going to be organizational burdens created by having um, It more seems like it would save money. It could. It's, it it's, could. A, le- it's a less election that you have to right. put on. Right. We've, we've, we, he, he was already, already coming out. Right. But from his standpoint, if you can break apart the burden of having to administer everything at once and have all the municipalities and all of their referendums and all of their stuff shoved over into March, well then you can basically take whatever resource, finite resources you have from uh, administration, personnel, everybody, and you can more easily manage two elections rather than one gigantic election. There's just more moving parts when you cram everything together and he's going to have, yeah. and I can, I, I can, see, ap- I see that. Yeah. And I sure. can appreciate probably that may be uh, flavoring, his position of why he wants to tell us no, but I I have offered an olive branch out and I said, look, you know, if it if it costs you more from an administration standpoint, Destin is interested in making sure that you are compensated for whatever increase in those burdens happen to be. So, if we find out that we have the authority to move the election, I want to have a discussion with with the supervisor to talk about how do we make it okay for him, and um, I think that will probably occur at some point after we get the attorney general's opinion and uh and you get an extra seven months yeah the practical effect is i would have an extended term from march to november yeah poor chatham <laughs> <laughs> i look forward to it i mean i've enjoyed my job i have uh, it has been one of the greatest challenges of my life uh i have bit off basically i have tackled every issue i think i can tackle uh, there's still stuff popping up all the time. I'm happy to do it. I don't know of anybody else that's similarly situated that could do it. I mean, on it, I mean, yeah. I'm kind of a unicorn yeah. in the fact that I have the time to do it because I can set my own schedule. I own my own businesses. You have the education. I have the education. Yeah. That's the big part because if you don't have the education, you don't even know where to begin to start to unravel. You know, you don't even know where to begin to try to deal with some of these problems because there's so many moving parts. You don't understand the system exactly. And if you don't have legal education, you don't know that there are (laughs) 
wild variations of what what a the uh, what a code means, what general rules mean, whether or not how much weight each one of them holds, how much uh, authority does any one body have over one another, and all of that is so bewildering to a layperson who serves on a council that they're completely at the mercy of whatever legal advice they get from their legal counsel or uh, the advice of their staff. Um, so I don't have to deal with that. And, and, and of course I rely on, on their wisdom and then I do my homework and, but at the end of the day, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be there and I have to do it. I just don't know. Back to your question, you go, well, what do we do if we have like a lazy council in the future? That's why you got to try to get really, I'm sure it's been done. Uh, what lazy councils? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that's a thing. Oh yeah. I mean, it's not lazy. It's they just don't even uh, most people don't even know where to begin because it's so complicated. If can you imagine being exactly. it's so com- and, and the world is so much more complicated now because if can you imagine being on the council in 1984 in oh, Destin? The fucking breeze. Oh. <laughs> what are we doing today? Well, we're going to build some sidewalks and make yeah. people happy. Yeah. Let's go fish. Let's go fishing. <laughs> let's go let's go that, catch some cubby while they're still here. Right, right. That world doesn't exist any yeah. longer. And you just about want to have to have a legal education to be able to sift through. I mean, our agenda packets, some of them are a thousand pages long. And I have to try, and I'll, and I'll thumb through most of it, and I'll, I'll go through. And, and I'm quick at being able to, yeah, 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 that's, I know what this is. That's, that's fluff. I don't need to read that. Oh, that's an addendum. Yep, yep. And I can go through it, and I can get through it in a couple hours. Whereas if I threw that in front of you, if you got elected to council, you'd go, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. What is all this? Yeah, I'm not interested in any of this. Right. So um, it's not laziness. It's, I think, just, man, we're getting back to these political philosophical arguments. You know, our government, uh, all of it, everything up from the president down to lowly city councilmen, you know, all of these are 18th and 19th century institutions that have worked fairly well. As long as you have an engaged public, they work well. Um, but even our world is or it could just be a popularity contest. Well, it always, it always like was elections. Yeah. It always was, but rather than rather than. But the world was a simpler know. place, and you didn't have to have a legal education. You didn't have to be a specialist in land use law. You didn't need uh, all of these, all this background education to be able to serve competently in these positions of tr- public trust, um, because the world was just less complicated. The stakes weren't as nest. I mean. The world has always been complicated. I mean, I can't say, oh, well, the good old days in the 1960s. The 1960s was just as much of a dumpster fire. It's just that yeah. nowadays the stakes are so much higher. I have to try to solve solu- – I have to create solutions to a Destin that has overbuilt itself. i got to try to figure out ways to try to shove the genie back in the bottle so the people who still live here can actually have a life. The, and what, not be- the, the population of, what, twelve to 13,000 right, in right. a city that holds 100,000 right, right now. Right, and, yeah. and how to manage all of that. Uh, so that they're not completely always at the mercy of the women caprice of of tourism and 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 because you know is there nothing because that's we're again digressing a little bit but there's there is a thought process that permeates some of our politics and and, and it's a disgruntled part of why people are disengaged because they just go is there nothing that is uh, too sacred to not be sacrificed at the altar of tourism and development. <laughs> For a lot of people, the answer is well. For a minority that has the business, they go, "I don't know, no, no, no." But I know that for all the people who, I'm really thinking about the people who have shown up and voted for me in the election, 
uh, even when it was a 20% turnout. And I'm thinking about the people who are so damn busy with their lives, just trying to survive, just trying to do their thing, that, that they'll show up at a general election and bump us up from the 20 to the 60%. Those people, I think, share my sentiment of, we want this place to be prosperous, but we have to make this place okay to live. And those voices, you call them, you can call them the silent majority, I guess, but um, they get lost in the discussion a lot of times just because, and I don't blame them, their lives are busy. You know, nobody has a whole lot of energy to, they're dealing with their own problems. They're dealing with just trying to survive. They're working really hard and they don't even have, they don't have the time or the energy to take on society's woes, but they do end up voting and they want to believe that people are on council in these form in these layers of government trying to work to do the right thing it's just uh you know it's tough yeah <clears throat> do you uh do you call yourself a politician i don't like it but <laughs> i guess sometimes yeah it's, my wife's got a weird it's a weird yeah. word right it's a pejorative like, yeah. I like politician. It. every time he walks in the restaurant I'm like councilman that's right. I'll come and have. I'll come and have. I'll get a. He'll have, he'll have fifty people to stare at him. Like who's that? Who's that? <laughs> and then if somebody recognizes me, and they'll jump me and start talking about all sorts of politics. They'll talk about coyotes and uh, yeah, in the crosstown I connector and yeah, I know. Uh, like in Bad Santa, I'm on my fucking lunch break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can be like that, but you know, I'm happy because I'm happy to do it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to say it. Um, one last thing, man. What's the deal with that park? Which one? Uh, Leonard Destin. So. I go by it every day. We're in the process. Uh, if you've seen, we've made a lot of progress. They have dug the drainage swales. Yeah. We are Just so the, people understand where, give them the location. Yeah, so this too. is on Calhoun Avenue. This is actually the old uh, Leonard Destin homestead. This is my great-great-grandfather. Uh, actually, his home was there up until 2013. Um, some developers bought it tore the building down because they had aspirations of building a marina. The marina didn't end up working out, and luckily for the city, uh, we were able to acquire it uh, using uh, trust for uh, Florida's Trust for Public Land dollars to purchase the land and convert it into a park, and it's going to be beautiful. It really, really will be. Um, I'm sad that the, that the building didn't get to stay because that really would have been cool because uh, it was the oldest uh, building in Destin by almost a hundred something years because mm. the oldest ones we have now in Destin are uh, you know where Dewey Destin's Harborside that one was built in 1925 uh, Banana Barts was built in I think like 1941 and then there's uh, a couple of them on the harbor that haven't been torn down yet but they were bo- they were in the 30s I wonder what, what Red Door was like the Red Door and the oh um, Red Door was probably 40s 40s or 50s because yeah. you'll see chunks of it are cinder block mm-hmm. but yeah that all the center block stuff showed up post-World War II. Um, but this Leonard Destin homestead was beautiful, and, I'm, of course, I'm biased to it because it's it, it was family. Um, I have that connection. But it was uh, built in the 1870s. Oh, so wow. it was a shame to lose it. But luckily we got the land, and it has uh, been converted. And we've got, um, we've got heron rookeries there. It's going to have... Um, it's going to have some dock space. It'll have a boardwalk. It's going to have jungle gyms. It's going to have a splash pad, and um, I think the and we've kept as many of the uh, heritage oaks that that we can. Um, a lot of them were torn down, unfortunately, during that little period where, from like 2013 to mm-hmm. 2015, when when those developers had it and they had cleared the lot, thinking they were they didn't need the trees and they got rid of the the home. But 
anyways, that's uh, in development. We're shooting for uh, this winter to be completely finished, so it'll be ready to rock and roll oh, wow. for 2020. Yeah. It's going to be do really a show. cool. Let's get some music out there. Can you have music out there? Uh, yes, you can. Yeah. Let's do like an opening for it. We'll get some bands together or something. I like, think that'd be great. Throw down a little like little mini festival or something, man. They're making a lot of progress on it. I'm I'm really thrilled that we're we're gonna add that to the. Uh, we actually have a really good park system in uh, the city of Destin. And the city of Destin doesn't do a whole lot when you think about what cities normally are responsible for, because under Florida statute, you know your 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 cities are required to offer fire suppression services. Uh, police. Uh, they're off. They have to do development review. They have to do water and sewer, and um, and uh, if they want to, they can do parks and things like that. But if if you look, I've got like five fingers up in the air. We, the city contracts with uh, Oakland County to handle all of its police services. Uh, we have the Destin Fire Control District, which is actually a sub, um, a subdivision of the state of Florida. They handle all the fire suppression. You know, you look at your tax bill mm-hmm. on your house. You pay a separate legal entity for fire suppression services, so the city's doesn't uh, city doesn't have to handle that. Uh, uh, Destin Water Users is a um, private company, yeah. so they're handling uh, water and sewer. So that leaves basically just parks and development review for the city of Destin to to tackle. And while we have done a piss poor job of develop, development review <laughs> over the last 30 years we've done an excellent job with parks we have the best parts we have some very good parks <laughs> hey man you gotta you gotta you gotta Calhoun's, toot your horn where you Calhoun's can still got a fence over it bro what's up with that uh we are in you're talking about uh, Calhoun Clement, Park. Clement Taylor I just always yeah. call it Calhoun Park but yeah yeah yeah, Clement yeah. Taylor. yeah yeah uh we are in the process of tearing down the bathrooms and putting some new improvements in there because those bathrooms were some of the worst in the city mm-hmm. they were bad 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 but we were able to get a grant and we're gonna we're working on fixing those I'm talking about in front where the water is, you can't get to the water. Yeah, we're also doing some improvements uh, down there uh, to the beach area mm-hmm. and the seawall. Okay. Yeah. So Sweet. we're doing some we're doing some improvements. It's just sometimes the timing's not great because you have to put everything out to bid. You know, you got statutory processes you have to follow. Sometimes you don't get it, you don't get the bids you want, or some things come too expensive, so you send it re out to bid, and then you find out that you're, you're you're doing you know improvements to parks in the middle of the summer when that's their highest use so yeah yeah we walked down and tried to watch the sunset the other day and i was like oh, it was yeah, all fenced off yeah like, this isn't ideal no I, like, well, yeah. I guess we'll still watch the sunset but <laughs> we just kind of look over the fence babe. well come this fall i i promise you that those fences should be removed yeah it's yeah. not a it's not a big deal I, it, i'd rather see it being improved than not no yeah exactly it's all good yeah cool man well thanks dude thanks for coming on uh go eat at dewey's in navarre Oh yeah, go to Dewey's in Destin, Arnold Harbor. If you've got legal, if you don't, if you've got political uh, things you need to talk to me about, you don't have to wait until I stumble into Shane's just restaurant. Just go to Chatham. No, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's perfect. Yeah, just go to La Paz. Just go to La Paz and ask for Chatham Morgan. He's going to solve all your issues, especially ones that have four legs and roam, roam through your garbage. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, 1835 Porch Bar as well. Yeah, we've got a craft cocktail bar on the harbor that has uh, has really taken off. They got my wife's running it, and, I, and again, I'm biased, but she does a really tremendous job. She does a good job. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Thanks for coming on, dude. I'll let you get back to it, man. Appreciate your time. No, as absolutely. Always. I always appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, right, guys. Man. Later. Felt. 
Yeah.